So what are the benefits or some of the benefits of a durable power of attorney? So the first thing that we think about with a durable power of attorney and when do we use it, right? So the durable power of attorney is a document that appoints someone, a family member, a friend, trusted relative, trusted person in your life to make financial decisions for you and medical decisions for you. And there can be different people for different decisions. So you can have a financial durable power of attorney and you can have a medical durable power of attorney. And those documents allow that person, if you're not able to make a decision, they allow that person to make decisions for you, such as paying your bills, writing checks, dealing with your banks, making sure that your mortgage is paid and all those things. And on the medical side, it allows them to make medical decisions with regard to your care. So authorizing treatment, discussing things with doctors, all of that kind of thing. You are listening to the Legacy Talk podcast hosted by James A. Jones, attorney at law and founder of Sound Legacy Law, PLLC in Tacoma. Attorney Jones is here to talk about how to best protect your family, assets, and wealth. Pulling stories from his more than 20 years of helping families and business owners protect their assets, create their estate plans, preserve their wealth, and plan for the future. Nobody wants to think about estate planning, but life has a way of sneaking up on you. And at any moment, something unexpected could happen that will leave you regretting not having acted sooner. So join attorney James A. Jones in the Legacy Talk podcast and together learn how to plan for your future today and have peace of mind tomorrow. Welcome to Legacy Talk. I'm your host, James Jones. I'm an estate planning and probate attorney from Tacoma, Washington. I've been practicing law over 20 years, and my main practice areas are estate planning, probate, and estate administration. On Legacy Talk, we discuss topics surrounding families and estates. Estate planning is often a confusing and complicated topic, but my goal with this podcast is to make it understandable and accessible to the people who need it. So if this is something that interests you, I'd appreciate it if you click the subscribe button and like this episode so that you can follow along as we break down the barriers of estate planning. I'm excited to get to today's topic. Today's topic is unmasking the durable power of attorney, an essential element in estate planning, so that you know how a durable power of attorney can fit into your estate plan. So on today's show, we're talking about the durable power of attorney, unmasking the durable power of attorney, an essential element in an estate plan. So let's get to it. When most people think about estate planning, they think that it only applies when someone dies. But an effective estate plan addresses issues that apply during someone's life as well as at their death. Today, we're discussing the importance of having a durable power of attorney as a part of a comprehensive estate plan. The reason a durable power of attorney is so important is that it adds flexibility to a plan. It helps address emergency situations. It keeps things moving when nothing else seems to be doing that. The power of attorney can address financial issues. It can address medical issues. And, you know, in reality, a durable power of attorney, they're not just for seniors. They're also for kids just turning 18. So they can and should be just as effective for an 18-year-old as they are for an 80-year-old. And we'll get into more of that throughout this episode. So what are the benefits or some of the benefits of a durable power of attorney? 
So the first thing that we think about with the durable power of attorney and when do we use it, right? So the durable power of attorney is a document that appoints someone, a family member, a friend, trusted relative, trusted person in your life to make financial decisions for you and medical decisions for you. And there can be different people for different decisions. So you can have a financial durable power of attorney and you can have a medical durable power of attorney. And those documents allow that person, if you're not able to make a decision, they allow that person to make decisions for you, such as paying your bills, writing checks, dealing with your banks, making sure that your mortgage is paid and all those things. And on the medical side, it allows them to make medical decisions with regard to your care. So authorizing treatment, discussing things with doctors, all of that kind of thing. Okay. And the definitionally, again, the durable power of attorney is different than a general power of attorney or a limited power of attorney. A durable power of attorney is one that does not lapse or cease to function or work when someone becomes incapacitated. So the reason that you have a durable power of attorney is because you may be incapacitated someday and that thing will last, right? That will still work and be functional for you, even if you're incapacitated, which is the main reason why we have a durable power of attorney anyway, is to help us if we're incapacitated. So that's number one. The number one reason to have one is so that we can have consistent incapacity planning. Okay. So if there's a question with among your family as to you know, who's going to pay the bills when mom's sick? Who's going to talk to the doctors when dad's in the hospital, right? The person that mom or dad or you, right, as a mom or dad or individual could do is the person authorized by the document. Okay, you authorize the person you trust the most to help make those decisions. And that makes things in the family go smoother, I would say, just because the family knows what your wishes are in that regard. Okay. And it makes it so that those kinds of decisions don't have to wait till later. So the other, another benefit of the durable power of attorney is that it avoids guardianship and conservatorship proceedings. And I've talked about those a little bit on this podcast before and mentioned how bad a guardianship is and how bad a conservatorship can be. And it's just because you're jumping through hoops, right? You're jumping through hoops with the court and avoiding that saves time and money. Without a durable power of attorney, you'd have to go through a court proceeding to get someone appointed that can make decisions for you, right? Which is time consuming. It takes a long time. It costs a lot of money and can be prevented by a simple document that's readily available. Okay. And also the other thing about the guardianship that you'd want to avoid is just like a probate. We talk about probate. We've done an episode about probate and why we should avoid it, why it's good, but why it's also not great. Guardianship is fully public, so anybody can see your affairs. They can see why you're incapacitated. They can see what your diagnosis is, basically, and why you're needing this proceeding in the court to have a guardian or conservator appointed. They'll know all your finances. It's all public record. And it's basically dealing with a court to get any little thing approved, right? So any little thing that that your guardian would need to do for you, they have to go to court and get an order typically for that particular thing, even paying bills, right? And there's a reporting requirement and it takes every year to three years, you have to file a report. It's a fiasco. So if you can avoid a guardianship or a conservatorship, 
I would recommend it and do recommend it, which is why it's very important to have a durable power of attorney. So you don't have to deal with that because the durable power of attorney gives someone that you've appointed the ability to make those decisions without having a court order to do so. Okay. That's as simple as that. A simple document, if you can sign it while you have capacity to sign, would avoid that lengthy court process. So that's number two. Number three is the continuity of financial management, right? If something happened to you, think about this. Who would pay your bills, right? The durable power of attorney for finances, and I'll say this, when I do a durable power of attorney, typically in my practice, if the person that you're appointing is the same for medical and financial, I typically make that one document. So it's a durable power of attorney for financial matters and for medical matters, just because then you're not carrying around two documents. So that's what I typically do in practice. You can have separate financial durable power of attorney and medical durable power of attorney. But in my my office, I typically try to merge those if the people are the same. So continuity of financial management. If you don't have anybody to pay your bills, you're going to have problems, right? With a durable power of attorney for finance, at least you'd have someone that can deal with your banks, write checks and pay your bills seamlessly without any issues, typically. And also if bills need to get paid for care or medical procedures or anything like that, your agent, who's the person that you appoint, can quickly respond to those financial needs with a durable power of attorney and get funds that are accessible to cover that kind of a requirement. Okay. The second thing and maybe this is first over financial, is the medical decision-making support, right? Durable power of attorney for medical decisions allows someone to deal with doctors, talk to hospitals, nurses, administrators at hospitals, which is more and more prevalent now. It allows them to look at medical records, things like that. Authorized treatment, if something happened to you and you went in unconscious to a hospital, that person that you've appointed as your agent under the durable power of attorney could deal with the hospital, authorize treatment and surgeries and things like that. The other thing that it allows a person to do typically is to withhold treatment. If there's a point in your life where you're not functioning to the level that you'd want and you're in a vegetative state or something like that, or if you're on life support, it allows that person to take you off life support if that's the best decision for you. And so That's why for medical decisions, the durable power of attorney is essential. Okay. Another thing that you can do with a durable power of attorney, and we've done this before, my wife and I have done this actually. If you're not home at the same time, you can deal with like signing documents for each other. So if you had a real estate transaction and you were out of town and your spouse was left home, but you're both supposed to sign, the durable power of attorney would allow that person that's appointed to sign on your behalf. Okay. So that would deal with things like buying or selling a house, property maintenance issues, management issues like that. You can have durable powers of attorney for your business interests as well. If you have a durable power of attorney, you can ensure that operations continue smoothly. If you're not available and manage financial aspects of your business, banking transactions, investment decisions, things like that. The other thing that a durable power of attorney can help you have done is for tax purposes. So it allows the agent that you appoint to file taxes on your behalf so you don't get behind with the IRS and make sure that your taxes are paid so you don't have a lot of penalties and interests and stuff like that accruing. And so 
that ability to have someone file taxes for you if you're not able to is a big benefit of the durable power of attorney. Another benefit is that the durable power of attorney can access financial accounts. We've talked a little bit about this. If there's an emergency situation, that durable power of attorney appointee, the agent, can have immediate access to financial accounts, particularly if you've planned ahead and had that person named on the account as a durable power of attorney. So if there's an emergency situation where someone needs quick access to finances, your agent can get those finances as needed because they're already on the account. Okay. Another reason for incorporating a durable power of attorney into your estate plan is it allows you or someone on your behalf to make sure that your estate planning is in order. Okay. First of all, it works in coordination with your estate plan, with your will and trust. And it becomes part of that team of documents, if you could say it that way. And a lot of the time, in particular, when there's like a long-term care situation and you've done a durable power of attorney and that durable power of attorney, at least in Washington, can allow your agent to make certain decisions for you, right? With regard to your estate planning documents too. It won't allow them to revoke your will or change your will, but it would in many cases, depending on how it's drafted, allow a person to make changes to a trust or create a trust for you transfer assets in a beneficial way to qualify for things like long-term care through the state. So those kinds of things can be done with the durable power of attorney. And so what I tell people, I get this question a lot from my clients and say they go into a typical estate plan where we maybe will do a revocable trust, which we've talked about a little bit, a revocable trust to avoid probate, maybe avoid estate taxes, but a revocable trust typically is not an asset protection trust. And so It's not something that's typically done for like Medicaid planning, okay? And so my clients often ask me, like, if they're a younger couple or younger person, does this plan help me or will it allow me to get on Medicaid if I need to? The short answer is no, but the correct answer is with the structure that you put in place, including that durable power of attorney, you can pivot, right? You can change the way a document is written or amend it or create a new trust potentially and create a gifting plan in in accordance with the state laws, of course, and make sure that if needed, that person that appointed you as durable power of attorney or the person that you've appointed as under that durable power of attorney can help sort of rearrange things and, and pivot with your needs, okay? And so all of that really brings us to the biggest reason that you'd have a durable power of attorney, which is peace of mind, right? My slogan is plan today, peace of mind tomorrow. And I think it's key, right? We're empowering individuals to have that decision-making if the worst case scenario happens. What happens if I'm completely incompetent? I can't make a decision. I'm unconscious or something, and I show up at the hospital What happens, right? Who can I trust that would help me there? And so that durable power of attorney allows you to appoint someone to make those decisions for you and make sure that those kinds of emergency situations are handled without a major hiccup. And that that just reduces stress, right? Peace of mind reduces stress. I've done something to help my situation I don't have to worry about this. If something happens to me, one of those worst case scenario check 
the box things that I'm in a car accident or I'm unconscious or I have a illness that makes me lose mental capacity, like dementia or something like that. I am protected and I'm okay because I have someone appointed that can help me with those decisions. Okay. And that reduces family stress too, not just on you, but on your kids, your friends, your family members. And so that can reduce stress for everybody. Okay. So we've talked about the benefits of a durable power of attorney, you know, financial management, medical decisions, peace of mind, all of that kind of thing. And every episode, like I, I say, every time we have a story or a scenario that came across my desk in my office, a client of mine's story that I want to share with you now. So the story about for this episode is about a client of mine named John. And John had been married to his wife, Karen, for about 30 years. It's a long time marriage. They were in their early 60s. They weren't quite retired. And this was a second marriage for both of them. They each had kids from a previous marriage. And when John came to see me, Karen was in the early stages of dementia. Okay. She was no longer able to make decisions for herself. She had started wandering off in the neighborhood. And he was facing the reality. John was facing the reality of having to put Karen in a long-term care facility, nursing home style facility to care for her, right? He couldn't do it anymore. He couldn't do it and continue to work. If he didn't work, he couldn't afford the bill. Okay. So Karen no longer had the ability to make decisions and she was not able to sign this, right? Not able to sign a durable power of attorney. So the first thing that when someone comes to my office in this situation, I was like, I'll ask them, do you think she could understand that transaction to sign a durable power of attorney? And sometimes we'll draft one and have them come by and see if we'll give them a capacity exam, see if they pass it. Usually they don't. Okay. And it's typically best practice not to force or push that kind of thing. So we don't push having people that don't have capacity sign. Of course, we don't want to do that because it wouldn't be effective. And that's just doesn't, that's not good practice. So anyway, so Karen could not sign a durable power of attorney. Okay. They had not done one prior to her diagnosis. Her doctor had indicated she can't make decisions anymore. So in order for John to manage Karen's financial and medical affairs, what do you think we had to do? We had to file a guardianship proceeding for her, okay, to get John appointed as her guardian to make those decisions, right, to help her move into a facility, to be able to manage their finances for her, authorize treatment, you know, with regard to her disability, all that kind of thing, right? And typically, in my practice, in a guardianship proceeding, when it's a husband and wife situation, and in this situation, John was petitioning to become the guardian for his wife, Karen. Typically, in that situation, the spouse is appointed for the other spouse, right? Particularly when it's a 30-year marriage, most of their assets, if not all of their assets, were joint assets, community property in Washington. And 90% of the time or more, probably, the healthy spouse is appointed as guardian for the spouse that's incapacitated, Okay. 90 plus percent. But with a guardianship, it's not just the husband and wife that are involved. The court's involved too. And part of that court process is the appointment of something or someone called a guardian ad litem. They've changed that lingo now. It's called a court visitor in Washington. A guardian ad litem or court visitor 
is usually an attorney in the community that's on the board for becoming a court visitor, guardian ad litem with the county. They've taken some training to how to prepare a report. And they're charged with preparing a report and investigating the situation regarding this guardianship, right? And whether John's the right person or somebody else, right? And whether this person, like Karen in this instance, needs a guardianship at all, okay? And so in this case, the guardian ad litem was an attorney in the community, and she started investigating, okay? And so both John and Karen had kids, like I mentioned, adult kids from other marriages. And there's something about John that I haven't told you. John was a little gruff, okay? He's an old school working guy. He's kind of a grumpy guy. He can be overall great guy who loved his wife and wanted what was best for her above everything else, okay? But sometimes his personality didn't always come across that way. And I think that this guardian litem did not like him. She did not like him. He thought this was a chore to go through sort of the rigmarole that's required to for the prepared through the whole process. He's grumpy. He's probably not getting a lot of sleep because his wife's keeping him up. You know, there's all kinds of things, right? But he's a grumpy guy. Okay. And the guardian of the item didn't like him and he knew it. He knew it. And so what ended up happening in this case, this outlier of a case is John was not appointed guardian for his wife of 30 years. And I think it all came down to a third party not liking him, right? Because he was qualified. There's no reason why he couldn't have done it. Most of their assets were joint assets, community property in Washington. And so what ended up happening is Karen's son from a previous marriage who lived out of state was appointed and took over basically control of their assets, right? And half of those assets were John's. And so it was a fiasco you know, situation. So if you don't have to go through that guardianship proceeding, don't get a durable power of attorney or have your mom or dad or friend or brother or whoever you're concerned about, whoever you're listening to this podcast for, if it's not you, if they can sign a durable power of attorney, get it. Okay. Because what happened ended up happening in that case is the legal fees from the son's attorney were through the roof. And he got in with this guardianship firm that basically churned that file. And so they were charging through the roof. And so John lost a ton of money in this this scenario that we could have, with better planning, they could have easily saved. Okay. And losing control of that really just made a bad situation worse. And so the moral of the story, the point of the story is don't let that happen to you. Get that durable power of attorney sooner than later. You know, the other thing that comes up a lot, too, that I'll mention, like I mentioned earlier, that they're just as good for 80-year-olds as they are for 18-year-olds, or can be just as good for 18-year-olds as they are for 80-year-olds, right? And so I've got three kids this year that graduated high school. I've got triplets that just graduated high school. And uh, they're adults, though. They're 18, turning 19. And... Those kind of kids that go off to college, they all went off to college. All of those kinds of kids need a durable power of attorney too, particularly if you want to be able to make a decision for them in an emergency situation, like a medical decision, or if you want to be able to deal with their bank accounts. Though a lot of the time 
you might already be on their bank account because they had that account when they were under 18. But you want to be able to make those medical decisions in, in an emergency so that they're taken care of. So if you have an 18-year-old kid that's home, get that durable power of attorney. If they're at college, arrange for them to get a durable power of attorney, okay? Because once they turn 18, there's no talking on their behalf without it, okay? And 18-year-olds is anybody that has an 18-year-old knows needs someone oftentimes to talk on their behalf <laughs> in certain situations. And so don't wait to get a durable power of attorney. They're easy to get. They're readily available. And if you're doing a full estate plan, you'll have one, right? If you come to my office and you say, oh, well, I want to do my will or I want to do a trust, you're going to get a durable power of attorney too because that's how important they are. They're part of an essential, comprehensive estate plan. And oftentimes, I just told a client today, you know, oftentimes that durable power of attorney is the most important document you have, you know, in the long run because it, it basically ensures that your life can go on as close to normal or as seamlessly as possible, even in bad situations. Okay. So get it, get it, <laughs> get that durable power of attorney. But that's it. That's today's episode. That was what we were talking about, that durable power of attorney. Hopefully you learned some things you didn't know about it. Hopefully it will allow you to decide and move forward on doing something like that for yourself. Right. And I thank you for listening to today's episode of Legacy Talk. If you liked today's episode and would like to learn more, please like and subscribe for more great content. I've been your host, James Jones, to your legacy. Thank you for listening to the Legacy Talk podcast by attorney James A. Jones. If you found today's episode helpful, we ask that you like and follow us on all major platforms so you don't miss out on the latest episode. If you have questions for Attorney Jones, reach out at info at joneslegacylaw.com or visit our website at joneslegacylaw.com. Join us again next week for another episode of the Legacy Talk Podcast.